Hi, I'm Sharon Landon, and welcome to my podcast, Old Asian Lady. Today, my guest is Heather Louder Martin. Yes. And um, thank you, of course, Heather, for coming. No I know Thanks that for having me. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm especially grateful because I know that you had uh, a flight back from the U.S. just a couple of days ago, and. Yeah, it was a rough one for sure. I mean, the flight alone, you know, was almost 30 hours of flying oh. from Florida to Houston, Houston to San Francisco, San Francisco to Taipei. But then you add that each flight was late, delayed, and the final flight was turbulence. The entire flight. Like, I pretty much thought that was, this was the end. <laughs> oh my God. It was really bad. So I didn't sleep at all, but I've had a couple of good nights sleep. So you'll get me at about 80%. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> but um, Heather is from the U.S. and she's actually, you're actually here in Taiwan again on the second stint yes. with your husband, Tim, mm -hmm. who's uh, teaching at the Taipei American School. Yep, exactly. Right. Okay. And um, today we're going to be talking, um, sharing stories about uh, our adoption experiences. Right. I mean, um, Heather adopted a, a little girl, um, and I was adopted as a little girl. So it'll be interesting to be able to share stories and compare, even though you adopted and I was the adoptee. Right, but, right. It's a nice perspective to have from the other side, I think. Yeah. To see how it felt. So, so how old uh, was your daughter? When, can you tell me about what led to her adoption? Yeah, so I'll tell you the story. I'll tell kind of the short version, I guess. Um, my mother was pretty sick. My mother um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at the time, my sister um, was living with her with her newborn. She had a newborn baby. And um, as my mother's illness got quite worse and she was deteriorating, there was no way for my mother to have that extra people in her house. She, she was, you know, fighting with aggressive chemo and radiation. So um, my sister had to find another place to live. Mm -hmm. But um, my sister has, she struggles with addiction issues. And um, what ended up being different places was she was couch surfing, you know, oh. that, that theme of like just from couch to couch. Right. And, and I was quite worried about my niece at the time. And I'm taking care of my mom full time. So I offered one weekend, I said, you know, why don't you let me have the baby for a weekend and really spend these two days trying to find an actual place to live. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked full time, so I, I took my niece for the weekend. Well, Sunday night, she never showed up to pick her up. And so nice. I was scrambling to try to get, my, get a hold of her, get a hold of the father, which we knew who the father was. The, the, my sister and, and um, this man were married, mm -hmm. um, but they were in the middle of a divorce. And I couldn't get him on the phone, so I just ended up finding some temporary daycare for her, thinking I'll track my sister down in a few days and we'll figure this out. And um, the long and the short of it is that she's mine now. So she, um, my, um, my sister and I did connect at one point, and she was quite worried um, that the places she was living were not fit for, mm -hmm. for, for the baby. Um, who was two at the time now. So, oh, okay. so, so my daughter was two at this daughter. time. Right. Um, she had just turned two. And I said, okay, well, why don't you take a solid month and I'll figure this out for a month, but use that month wisely, like really buckle down, figure things out. And um, my mom subsequently passed like mm -hmm. during that time. And um, my mom passing was 
pretty devastating, obviously. You know, losing a parent is never fun. But for my sister, it was absolutely soul-crushing. Like, mm-hmm. because my mom and my sister were quite close. My sister's the youngest. And my sister, who already had addiction problems, really spun, just completely out of control. So then my mom passed away in um, October. No, excuse me, September. She passed away in September. And my sister said, I'll get my life together by Christmas. Just keep her till Christmas. So I, you know, put a temporary life together, you know. I didn't buy all the baby things or the kid things. I just bought the bare necessities because I didn't think I'd have her for very long. Mm -hmm. So I had her until December and Christmas came and went and she wasn't ready. Oh, I will. I'll have her by her birthday, which was in April. And then April came and went and we didn't have... She didn't have everything figured out. So the long and the short of it, obviously there's, you know, more to the story I could share if you want, but she became mine. So I've had her since she was two mm-hmm. and she is um, 26 now. So, wow. so I've had her for 24, yeah, 24 years, years already yeah, as a, as a single mom for the biggest portion of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Not really being <laughs> amply prepared. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was waiting to adopt a child mm-hmm. and couldn't wait to be a mom. <laughs> None of those things were, right? I wasn't one of those people waiting for, you know, to be picked as somebody to adopt a child. Like, so I was pretty ill-prepared for it. I remember, like, trying to pick a daycare and not having the slightest idea, like, what do you, what's a good daycare? Like, I I remember thinking, I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just dropping my kid off. And I have, I mean, at the time, my niece, like, I don't know. Please don't hurt her. I'll be back at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like... I was oh just not gosh. as equipped, I think, um, for it initially, but, um, you know, I loved her. And I think, yeah. you know, that's the basis of all family is love. So that love was there. So as long as that love was there, the rest of it I could kind of figure out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting because it's, it's not a standard adoption story, mm-hmm. I would have to say. And you had this just placed on your lap. So what what can you do? I mean, yeah, you had a month or two months, but then it's still, when it really actually happened, it was kind of a, uh, I don't know if it would be in a shock or anything. It was just a big thing to have to deal with. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I think it might have actually been better that it was slow. Mm. Because if my sister just said, here you go, I might have searched out alternatives. I might have felt ill-prepared, but because I kept thinking it was temporary, that then, okay, I can figure, I can do this for a couple of months, Mm -hmm. right? And I'd figure it out. And then I could do it, oh, I can do it for a couple more months. But I think if she initially just said, here's a kid, good luck, I might have, I might, I don't know, I've never really thought about it, but I might have raised my hand and and said, let's look at foster care or something. Mm, Right. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't, I took it on thinking it was temporary and yeah. that made it okay at first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can do it for a little while. So I think ultimately it all happened the way it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never felt like this huge jolt. Like mm-hmm. here's this kid you got to figure. I mean, a little bit. I had to figure things out kind of initially, but it always felt like it's temporary. I can do anything for a little while. Um, you know, had I known at the beginning that it was going to be a lifetime adventure, I, I don't know. I would have signed up. I would have right. felt like... Not because I didn't love her, because I did, but I might have thought I wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was single. I wasn't in in any way, like, I wasn't looking to create a family. Like, I wasn't there. So I might have thought I wasn't good enough, Mm -hmm. but I definitely thought I was temporary enough. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Initially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so. like, oh, I'll take care of them. And then they go home with you. It, it's just like nowadays when my friends have kids <laughs> or something like that. And it's great to go to the house, but take care of them for a little while. But at the end of the day, they're not staying with me. Right. That know? level of responsibility seemed very temporary. And yeah. I could do it very temporarily. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I'm glad it happened the way it happened, but it did have a huge impact on my life. Mm-hmm. You know, what I thought was temporary turned into permanent, which mm-hmm. changed the absolute complete direction of my life, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I was adopted when I was five, six years old, and I was lucky enough that my brother was adopted with me so that I had, you know, uh, companionship. But, you know, I never really ever talk to my mom or dad about this period of time in my life before or after I was, right after I was adopted. And I, because we were doing the show, I had called her up and I said, mom, I'm doing this podcast, you know, about adoption. And and I just have some questions to ask you. And then, and she's 80 something now. So, so, I mean, her memory is still pretty good, but of course, obviously she couldn't remember a, a, a lot, but she, she told me um, a lot of things that I didn't know about. Wow. And, and the thing is that I didn't remember a lot of things during that period of time um, because we were uh, adopted from Taiwan and because my, my, dad, American dad, he was in the Navy. Um, he was based in Okinawa at the time. And um, I just found out that they they actually did, went to great lengths to adopt me and, and my brother. Um, anyway, it's it was an interesting story. Right? <laughs> but um, yeah, um, how did, how did your, um, friends or, or your mom passed away, but did your friends give you comments or give you advice or, you know, talk about this situation? You know, that's um, you know, we were, I, so I got her when I was 30. So right. luckily I had a little life experience under my belt. I wasn't like 22 and like, you know, looking to go to the clubs every night or whatever. So I had a little life experience under my belt. And most of my friends were very similar in age. Some of them had children. So they were really willing to like help, you know what I mean? Like offered to babysit for me, um, offered, you know, in fact, my first nanny was actually a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. um, now (laughs) sister-in-law. She married my brother. Um, So my first nanny was like actually family. So I had a lot of people who were really super supportive. Um, And um, I had a roommate at the time and the roommate was super supportive and they bonded really quickly as well. Um, This roommate really wanted children and wasn't able to have children. So they bonded pretty quickly, um, you know, as friends or whatever. Um, I remember my daughter used to call her Taco Dana. I don't know why we Mm. never... I know, she was Hispanic and she didn't make a lot of Mexican food. So maybe I never really thought about that. It was Taco Dana. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think everyone was really super supportive. Um, I think that um, what happened as it got more permanent, Mm -hmm. then people stopped being, they didn't stop being supportive. Everyone was always super supportive. Mm -hmm. But once it was kind of like more official, then it was like, oh, you don't need our help as much anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And I remember there's a few times where I'm like, 
you know, later on in the situation, I'm like, I'm alone in this. Like, mm -hmm. I'm alone doing this, right? Um, and people's lives were going on. I have no ill will towards anyone. Right. You know what I mean? But it was like all that initial help and support and boosting up and like, we're going to do this together, slowly felt into, yeah, it's kind of on you. <laughs> and I remember feeling pretty isolated for a while, you know what I mean? Um, and feeling like I, I'm, I got to do this on my own, you mm -hmm. know? And, and I was a single mom, like I said, I was a working mom. Um, so I was, you know, she'd, I'd have, you know, she'd go to school, then she'd have after school care. And then she'd have a nanny that was meet at the house until I got home. Um, and then I'd come home and then I was a mom, you know right. what I mean? Where before I would come home and just sit on the couch and just yeah. veg out. Now I had mom stuff to do. So there were some times, um, and, and I, I, I would imagine you would probably, your mother would say the same thing. Um, I know that this is a true fact because I actually ended up going to a counselor to talk about it a little bit. Um, there was a bit of resentment in the fact mm -hmm. that what did I do? Mm. What, why, why did I do this? Like why? Not because my child's not amazing and wonderful and didn't enrich my life, mm -hmm. but it changed so many things for me. Yeah, I can um, that um, there are times where I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I signed up for the right, the right, the right category for me. Yeah. Um, so especially, you know, in those, you know, early teenage years when kids are starting to, you know, find their own voice, and they don't want to listen to mommy anymore. And I'm thinking, can I do this? Can I do this? So, um, but everyone was always very supportive. So, mm -hmm. but at some point it was my responsibility and it did fall solely on me. Yeah. It's interesting um, when you're talking about um, you thinking about, oh, why me? This responsibility because in my talk conversation with my mom um, the other day I kind of felt a little bit like she had that uh, just for a, a period of time because you know my thing was that when they when my my dad my mom and dad were based in Taiwan my mother was working for them as a, a nanny housekeeper took care of of their um, babies. They had two boys um, and they had actually moved to, and this I just found out, that they had actually already moved from Taiwan to Okinawa at the time. My dad, like I said, he was in the Navy and there was some kind of crisis going on called the, um, um, I, I don't know, some kind of political thing going on with, with the, the U.S. In, in that area. And so it was uh, really um, a, a difficult time, but the lady that my mom was working with at the time had contacted my parents and said, oh, you know, my mom had passed away. And because the Landons were, knew my family, my mom really well, and we had met them as kids, um, they were really concerned because they knew our family's financial situation. I mean, our family had eight kids. I mean, back then when, um, Chinese families have a lot of kids as just a natural right. um, thing. And so they, my dad, who was fluent in Mandarin, my American dad, he came back and all the processes went through about them trying to ad uh, adopt us. And it took a while. Um, but my mom was telling me the other day, she was saying, Oh, you know, she's sorry if she was, she was, she probably was a little bit harder on us at times um, because she got 
I mean, it's not that it was only my dad that made the decision, but to have two additional kids, right. plus they had two two babies of their own at right. the time, it, I think it was pretty hard on my mom as well. Right. And and I told her, well, I really don't remember her ever being hard on us. Right. You know, there's certain memories that I have and certain um, things that I remember, but I never remember that. So. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, during the time that things started to get a little rough with my daughter and um, I started just going to see a counselor because I was really concerned that mm -hmm. that the feelings I were ha that I was having about my daughter and this resentments and the frustrations um, were because I adopted her and I mm -hmm. wanted to find a way to get over that. And I remember my therapist telling me two really specific things, which is kind of to your to what you're talking about. One, she goes, I therapy all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. She goes, every parent has a resentment, whether they give birth or not. They just do. Kids are hard. They yeah. are. So she goes, the fact that you even care enough to have a resentment means you love your child. So don't mm -hmm. worry that you don't love her. But the other thing she also said is, because I worried that my daughter was would feel it. Do mm -hmm. you know what I mean? She would feel my resentment or she would feel my aggravation or I'd be frustrated because I was could sometimes be short. you know what I mean? Like short fuse yeah. and like, because I was... I was tired and I was yeah. frustrated, you know? And I remember my therapist saying, you're the only love she knows. So she doesn't have anything to compare it to. So what you think might be something you did that you could have done better or you should have done differently, she has no comparison. To her, everything you're doing, as long as it's based in, in love, is fine. Yeah. And I remember thinking, what a relief, right? Like I'm comparing myself to my mom and I'm comparing myself to my friend's mom and I'm doing all of these comparisons thinking I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have that comparison. Right. So I'm sure your mom felt the same way. Like I have another really good friend who adopted a child and had a natural born child. And she said that she treated her adopted child slightly different and mm -hmm. she didn't know why. But she said that her adopted child said he never, to him, he never saw it. Yeah. To him, it was non-existent. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that we are our own worst enemy as an adopt, as a parent who adopts. We mm -hmm. question every decision we make. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that conversation with your mom <laughs> was more of her insecurities and things she knew she could have done better. Mm -hmm. But as children, you're resilient to those kinds of things. Right. Like to you, you're like, you just love me. You took care of me. You took me in. You know, that's not to say you didn't have one or two spats with your mother. I'm sure you did. All well, moms yeah, and daughters I mean, I do. I, I remember when we grew, got older, there was more spats. But, you know, at the time when, when we were adopted or around that period of time, I don't remember anything, you know, um, difficult or, or, or stuff like that. But for your daughter, she was adopted at, you adopted her at two. Huh. And um, at what point did she you you just mentioning how she not acted up but do doing things what kids do right, and, right, right. and challenge the parents and things like that did did she start doing that at an early age or it was up to her teenage years or or you know um so i mean obviously the teenage years were the worst mm -hmm. based on just teenage years are terrible right but my daughter definitely has some diagnosed problems. Um, having not been held as a child, she has a, a, a abandonment issues. She has detachment disorder. Um, so even when I got her at two, 
some of her behaviors were difficult to deal with because mm -hmm. she didn't want to be like when she was in trouble, it was time out. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted time out. And so I would put her in a room and she'd have panic attacks mm. about being alone in a room. And I didn't, I just thought she was being a terrible two, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, just, you're fine. Just, you know, sit in your room for 10 minutes and learn your lesson. But she'd sob uncontrollably. And so after like, you know, working with the therapist and realizing that she had abandonment issues and she felt like at any time I would leave her and leave her alone, um, you know, I had to adjust things. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, so now timeout was crisscross applesauce in the living room, looking away from me, but I was at least in the room with her, right? right. So she would just sit, you know, facing the wall, right, right. alone in her room. Um, so she's, you know, and she has, um, so she has other types of issues like that. Um, she um, is a people pleaser, again, because she's, I think, afraid of being abandoned. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of times, you know, especially, you know, early adolescence where um, it was difficult for her to find her voice. Mm -hmm. um, so because she wanted so desperately to just do what she thought I needed her to do. And she's a completely different child than me. Mm -hmm. Like, we couldn't be more polar opposites. Like, she's super artsy and like creative. I mean, I have a little bit of that, but I'm pretty structured and mm -hmm. she's more, you know, I mean, she would write, draw on her hands all day. I'm mm -hmm. like, stop drawing on your hand. You look like you have <laughs> tattoos at like six, like stop it. But she- Did she draw on the walls yeah, and stuff like that? <laughs> and it would drive me bananas, you yeah. know? And so we had to learn each other's path, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had to learn where she needed to be to have a voice. Mm -hmm. I, I remember her therapist once telling me the same thing, you know, she had had a fight at school with some kids and I told her, just go tomorrow and make friends with someone new. Mm -hmm. Just make a new friend, you'll be fine. And her therapist had to call me and like, she can't make friends like you. Yeah. Like she's so much more introverted. That's, yeah. That is not even an option for her to just go and make a new friend. And she wants to please you, mm. so she'll tell you she'll do this. Now she doesn't have a friend, and she's let you down. So you're mm. adding more pressure to your child, you know. And so there was a lot of struggles. Um, I, I could have had the same natural-born child, so I'm not saying those struggles happened because, because she's she was adopted. adopted, right? But we ended up just being very polar opposites in the way we handle life and stresses. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of learning for me, um, you know, and I. I used to tell her, I still tell her, we talk about it all the time. I said, I made no, none of the mistakes my mother made. Mm -hmm. I made all new ones. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I did my best to not make the mistakes yeah. that I knew hurt me as a child. Yeah, yeah. But in doing, not doing those, mm -hmm. I made a slew of other mistakes. So, you know, I did the best I could. And she's, at 26, she's pretty appreciative now. <laughs> Took a while to get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is the thing. We do, we do the best that we can at the time or or but but if we also yeah tend to still beat ourselves up a bit um you know when you're talking about your daughter having abandonment issues um i mean she did she was abandoned by her her mom um your sister but um how it affects her i feel like it's kind of an uh, more of a subconscious level because I know as an uh, adult, even though I don't remember any things that were really bad about my time of being adopted, uh, my mom told me that I was quite stoic. I didn't, you know, cry. I didn't, um, I was kind of 
pretty shy during that time. And um, I never had any tantrums. I never got upset or, or, or stuff like that. And she said, that could, that could be just because you're Chinese. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking it, it probably was something that my father or my family, my real family, had told me that, you know, maybe, you know, you're going to the U United States, you're going to America to have a good opportunity. Don't make us lose face. I don't know what, what right, it is, right, right, right. but I think I, I must have held it in. Mm -hmm. But as I got older, when you're talking about those type of feelings, because, um, you know, you get into um, exploring different uh, modalities about healing or, or uh, understanding yourself and and based on your past and stuff and you know it came out that that at one time the uh, not a therapist but a, an energy type of um, healer type of person had mentioned to me that you know I probably had some abandonment issues way down deep in my psyche even right. though on the surface I wasn't really conscious about it so because it's in the self-conscious it kind of sometimes affects your self-identity issue or your self-worth and things like that and I thought that was pretty interesting because I did explore that and right. hopefully we released a, a lot of those um, issues from back then like I said I, I really honestly didn't remember having right. anything. Yeah, the body and the mind, especially the mind of a child, has, I believe, like a very strong survival technique, right? And whatever they need to tuck away that's painful, you just yeah. tuck away. But yeah. as a grown-up, um, wanting to have a healthy, mature relationship with yourself, sometimes you got to peel back that onion and kind of dig out some of that stuff. I mean, I have, you know, we talked on a previous session, you know, about some of my childhood trauma. Um, it leaves scars, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, as an adult, um, I think it's important for you to want to identify why, you know what I mean? Maybe you get triggered easily over something and that stems back from being abandoned. You feel yeah. scared, you have fears. Um, so I think it's healthy that you're exploring that, you know, from an energy standpoint, therapeutic standpoint, um, you know, we can all stand, you know what I mean, to address the building blocks that make us right yeah. and make yeah. sure that they're all aligned the way they should be aligned so that we have the best space possible so mm -hmm. good for you <laughs> to do that yeah like that's another topic to be discussed <laughs> yeah. our deep suited therapy and our yeah uh, we're gonna need a couple more hours for that really one. <laughs> right um so for your daughter then um did she just live with you as as i mean actually you adopted her at what point did you decide that it was necessary to adopt her compared to just you know it's just taking care of your sister's daughter forever type of thing well it started out with needing to um so she needed health care mm -hmm. right and in america you can't just add somebody to your health care because you want oh, that right they need true. to be family of some sort and so um, when I went to my employer, they said, well, you need to get something in writing, you know. And so I initially went to an attorney, um, and this is after having her for probably about a year. Um, and the attorney said, don't start a fight, you won't win. Mm. Um, and my sister was still of the mindset that she was going to get her life together and get her back. How many years was this after? Probably about a year oh, after. Okay. So he said, don't start a fight, you can't win. Mm -hmm. He goes, um... If you go for full adoption, she'll fight you and you'll lose because it's the court system is keep families together, especially mm -hmm. in California. 
he goes, so let's approach it kind of quietly. Let's just say, let's just do a legal guardianship and you can approach it with your sister that, hey, look, I'm just doing this so I can put her on insurance. I need her covered for insurance. I'm not trying to take over here. Because my sister was still very volatile, very, you know, she'd show up out of nowhere and be upset that, you know, well, I want to know, you know, what daycare is she at? I need to, you know, she's just very volatile. Yeah. Like, she was still felt like she wanted to be involved in the situation, mm -hmm. even though she was not involved in the situation, right? right. So she, she hadn't relented and given up. She hadn't given in completely. So we did legal guardianship. And so um, I had to get that signed off on pretty much everybody, mom, dad, and grandparents, because mm -hmm. grandparents have rights. So I got that all signed off, and then I had her for a legal guardianship for years. Um, and legal guardian is the same as adoption. There's, there's just really no difference. Okay. Um, and so um, I did that for probably seven, eight years. And then um, I went to, um, this is probably not something that I've actually ever shared with you, but so then I went back to the attorney to do the adoption. And he said to me, he goes, I'll take your money, it's $10,000. Mm -hmm. He said, but why? Mm. I said, well, cause that's just like the next chapter. Like that's what I do. And he says, well, I will be happy to take your money, but I want you to know the following things. Once you adopt her, she will not be able to get any kind of help with college that she would be able to get if she was considered part of the system. Okay. She would get all kinds of college grants, all kinds of college benefits. She would be able to get health insurance until she was 26 through the state of California. There are all these benefits oh. in California. Mm -hmm. And so I said, he goes, the only benefit is you get to say you adopted her. Mm. You know, you're already in Taiwan. Like there's, so think about it and let me know. So I sat my daughter down and I said, I want to adopt you. I want to make you mine officially. But I didn't save for college. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know I was going to have her. You yeah. know what I mean? I just, yeah. I just, so in my mind, I wasn't planning this really long term. So I didn't have a lot of money set aside for college. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, any real plan, you know, and she's like, you're my mom. I don't need a piece of paper to tell me you're my mom. Mm -hmm. So if I change my mind, I'll let you know. I said, yeah, if you change your mind, let me know. It's 10,000. It's not the money. Mm -hmm. I'll spend the 10,000. But you know what I mean? There's a lot of benefits to you not, at least in the state of California, to not having somebody legally listed as your parent. Right. Um, and so we opted to never do it. Okay. And so, so um, she, again, she was mine by all sense of the word. Mm -hmm. um, I could keep her on my insurance, all of those things, everything matched. But when she became 18, she was able to get all the grants she needed for college. Oh. She got college paid for. Um, she was able to do all those things that I would not have been able to afford to do for her because I had not planned for any of that. Right. So, yeah, so it worked out. She, you ended up just being her legal, um, a guardian, um, and she got all the benefits. But what was it that made you decide that you wanted to adopt her? Was it feeling you know guilty or was it feeling was it no i remember the day almost exactly so about a year in she had been calling me aunt heather aunt okay. heather aunt heather aunt heather right and what how old was she at this time so i got her when she was two so this right. is about three at three still you were wanting to do the adoption thing 
Well, she no. had, was calling me Aunt Heather. Yeah, Stella, yeah. And my sister was still coming and going, and she kept having a plan. I, she just right. needed a little more time. But my daughter um, one day said at breakfast, I'd like to have toast today, Mom. Or mommy. I'd like to have toast today, mommy. And she like looked away and then looked away from me really quickly. Like oh. she knew there was, she wasn't sure if she was supposed to do that, but she wanted to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember thinking this needs to be permanent for her. Mm. This can't be transient for her, for her. It can't be for me. I was fine with whatever. We'll figure it out as we go, but she needed stability. She mm -hmm. needed someone. And so I sat her down and I said, what, do you want to call me? You can call me whatever you want, whatever feels comfortable to you. If you want to call me mommy, I would love that. If you want to, you can keep calling me Aunt Heather. We can go with, you know, like used to call, you know, my roommate Taco Dana. We could come up with a unique name. If there's something unique, you can call me. And she says, I'd like it to be mommy. Aww. And so I knew at that point that it needed to be permanent. And so at that point, there really had been no no argument against it. Mm -hmm. Had my sister at any time mm -hmm. from that point on come in and said, I want her, I would have fought. At that point, I would have oh. fought. At that point, I would have adopted. At that point, I would, I think I would have won. Mm. Um, but she never did. You know what I mean? So there was never any reason to pursue it just to have that piece of paper. Right. Um, but had it ever gotten ugly or ever gotten weird in any way, then I certainly would have done it because my daughter needed to know right. um, that she was mine. But her and I had the discussion when, you know, she was a little bit older and she was, she's like, you're my mom. I know you're my mom. I don't need a piece of paper that tells me that. So, right. yeah. So did you guys, I mean, at what point did your sister sort of drop out as in not expecting anything of still having attachments to her daughter or had, has she ever done that? Um, she had another child. Okay. Um, so she had another child. And um, I think in her mind, when she had an, another child, she had Noah, she had a little boy. And when she had Noah, I think in her mind, she was going to do Noah the way she should have done Julia. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of just gave into the fact that this was supposed to happen. And she even made little comments along the way after she had Noah about how blessed she was that or how blessed I was that she gave me a baby because I didn't I didn't have one of my own you know right. and at this point I'm you know my daughter was probably seven or eight when she had Noah mm -hmm. so I'm like 37 38 and probably not going to have children of my own so my sister I think to make herself feel better yeah was like oh look I gave you a baby you never would have had one had I not done it so in her mind she turned it into she did this great thing, which she did, right? Like, I mean, it, it ended up being a great thing, but still kind of twisted. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, I probably would have had kids of my own because I probably would have been dating instead of babysitting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I probably would have ended up getting married and having children of my own. Um, but I had decided once I had Julia, um, since I thought it was temporary, that mm -hmm. I would put dating on hold. I didn't mm -hmm. want... She had already had too many people coming in and out of her life. The only people she knew was, you know, me, my sister, her, you know, the dad and my mom. And my mom died. Dad disappeared and mom disappeared. Mm -hmm. I was the only one left. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to bring anybody in that could disappear. I mean, even when my roommate moved out, it was traumatic. You know what I mean? I remember thinking, I mean, she was traumatized when my roommate moved out. And um, 
I remember thinking at that time, I can't have anybody coming and going. Mm. And so I just put my personal life on hold for a very, very long time. Um, so, um, so it was probably about that time where my sister said, oh, I'm going to do this one right. And, and I gave you that one. And so I'm a good person. That's <laughs> kind of what she told herself. I know it's, it's just interesting how people's perceptions are so different from reality or, you know, from other people at times. Well, I think it's all survival, right? Like I think we all have perceptions that help us survive, right? Mm -hmm. That help, like we were talking about earlier, right? As a child, you perceive something a certain way so that you can live with it. It may not be the reality that everyone else sees, but it's your reality. Mm -hmm. And um, for, for my sister, that's her reality, right? And so and I don't deny her that because it makes her feel good. And yeah. there's no harm in me letting my sister feel good about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and the better my place my sister is, the better it is for my daughter. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they don't have a relationship at this point. But if at some point they do have a relationship, I'd like that relationship, that conversation to be had where my sister can say to my daughter, I I gave you to your, you know, my sister. and." I did that because I love you and I want it to feel good to my daughter. And if I say, you did not just, you ruined my whole, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's just, easier for me to live in that reality, even though it's not. Yeah. It wasn't really my reality. I know. I mean, we know ourselves, but, right. but the fact that you're magnanimous, you, you'll let your sister uh, do that. No need to, to stir the water or stir the mud. To, yeah, you know, it would just hurt my daughter yeah, in the end exactly. and my sister. And there's no point in doing that. I gain nothing out of it. I know that I know the truth, right? right? Um, she can have her own truth and it's fine. Yeah. So yeah. I let her have it. <laughs> so um, did you and your daughter ever at any time from the time that she was that you had her to now as an adult ever sit down and have a conversation about this, about what happened or or has it just been just kind of smoothly going along? Not 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 smoothly, because I know you had some challenges uh, in terms of this topic of adoption. Right. I mean, it. Well, actually, she wasn't really adopted either. She was right. You know, so I guess you never really had to. Well, we did. I mean, so the thing about it that was unique for for my daughter, and I don't know for you because you were five, is. It's never been like a secret. It wasn't mm-hmm. like we had to sit down and go, okay, I need to tell you something. Right, You're right. You're adopted. You yeah. know, so she always knew. Yeah. The difference was why she was adopted changed slowly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't sit her down at three and say, I adopted you because your mother has addiction issues. And, you know, all that was not a conversation to have with a three-year-old. Right. You know what I mean? So when my daughter would ask questions, it would be, very kid-oriented conversations. Like, Mm -hmm. your mom was very young when she had you. She was too young to take care of you the way you needed to be taken care of. You know, for example, you know, you're three or four years old, you can now feed yourself, but your niece, who's a baby, can't, right? And so that's kind of, as you get older, you have you can take care of babies more, you know, you can take care of things better. Your mom was very young and that sufficed for a while. Right. And then as my daughter got a little bit older and realized 18 is really not young, you know what I mean? Like 18 year olds can take care of babies. Then the questions got more deep, you know, and then I would have conversations with, well, you know, she had some mental health issues, which my sister does. And Mm -hmm. she had a lot of, you know, 
she was prescribed a lot of medications that made it difficult for her to stay focused. Um, and because of that, she, you know, made the ultimate sacrifice and gave you up, you know, and then as she got a little bit older, it was like, okay, so here's, you know, those mental health issues turned into drug addiction and and things got kind you know, got quite different. Mm -hmm. So the conversation has always been ongoing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been as honest as I could along the age stage that I thought was appropriate. Um, at this point, my daughter knows, I mean, she knows for the most part, everything, you know, um, I had to be pretty brutally honest. Um, because at 18, my sister reached out to her and, um, and I wanted them to have a relationship if it could be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I needed my daughter to have the full scope of what, um, she might be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to be a little bit more honest than I had been up to that point saying that she you know, has some serious drug addictions and has been, you know, hospitalized and she's, she can be very unstable. Um, and just, you know, I welcome them to try to have a relationship, but that to keep me kind of in the loop because things could get difficult for you to understand. And I want you to be able to talk to me about it. Um, so, I mean, I've been as honest as I could with her, um, at this point, I don't believe that they're having much of a conversation other than, a, you know, an occasional Facebook post or something, right. um, because my sister's still very unstable, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, I guess I've been kind of really lucky in my part, because I, because I'm, I'm back in Taiwan, of course, and I'm actually, uh, was re- reconnected with my, um, real family, my sisters and brothers are still living here. And it was, I mean, I had no idea actually that we had uh, kept the connection, but apparently um, there had been communication by letters and and things like that from my family here to um, my my adopted parents and, um, you know, just asking about how I was and everything. But growing up, I never really wanted to have anything to do with that you know, that side, I mean, I knew I was adopted, but I just had no thought that I wanted to reconnect with them because I was so American and stuff. But I'm really actually quite grateful that um, things happen that we were connected. I mean, we were living in Maryland at the time. We were, my dad was in the Navy, as I said. We were all packed up and ready to go. We were going to go to Hawaii. And uh, my brother-in-law had a business trip uh, to to DC. And so that was right after apparently Taiwan was opened up for martial law. And so for business, people were uh, allowed to go out and travel. And, you know, if it hadn't happened that way, we would have moved to Hawaii and he wouldn't have been able to contact us because there was the address that we had was in Maryland. Oh, right. So, you know, it's really weird how things just happen. But in that way, uh, when I first, my brother and I first connected with our family was after we ended up moving to Hawaii. Uh, we spent a couple of days with my brother-in-law, um, but you know, didn't really know him. He was kind of a stranger. And my first reunion with them was really quite Interesting, I guess, if I look at it in this way, I, I still was very Americanized. I didn't embrace that part of my, you know, culture, my heritage and things. And we stayed for two weeks, my brother and I. 
And um, it was good to have that part of the family, but it wasn't really like they were part of my family anymore. Right, right. And I think it was about eight years after that that we really reconnected again. So, yeah, it's interesting. But I'm, I'm really happy that I've been able to connect with them. And I think it's important that you also gave your, your daughter the opportunity that if she wanted to reconnect, right. that that was something that you were open to, right. you know, right. If, she, right. if she wanted it. And I think right. that's really important. Well, yeah, I think it's great that you're doing that because I believe, you know, the world according to Heather, but I believe that, you know, no matter how much I love my daughter and how much I, 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 I did to provide for my daughter, there are certain things that I will never be. One is her biological mother. Right. I'll never be that, right? Yeah. And that's something that's pretty, that's a pretty strong bond, right? And I will never be, you know, your siblings are, you're connected in a mm. way, right? Even though you don't have the history with them or the memories with them, there's connection there. Yeah. And I think it's important to explore that. Now, mm. will it expand into something grand and wonderful and you're doing Christmas and Thanksgiving together? I think it's very healthy. And I always want to provide the healthiest road for my daughter to travel, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and I can't lie to myself and say that I have every single piece of her puzzle. I don't have every piece of her puzzle. Your biological parents are part of your story. Your biological siblings are part of your story. Your adoptive parents don't have those pieces. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have them. Yeah. So the fact that they allow you, you don't wanna get teary-eyed, but the fact that they allow you to fill that puzzle Mm -hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty spectacular, yeah. and I think it's great, right? Because yeah. those pieces are are a part of who you are, yeah. and you might as well explore them and fill them up, fill them in. So, and it's not easy, I would imagine, to do. So, I'm proud of you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey, I have to say, on that. Um, but so, your daughter's not with you here, is she? What what what's she doing, or what's she up to nowadays? So um, after she she graduated, from, so she came to Taipei when we moved here. Um, and so she went to Taipei American School mm -hmm. and graduated from there and then went off to college in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. and Interesting. I know. <laughs> well, she found this really unique um, liberal arts college oh, okay. that had a total of like 1,200 students mm -hmm. in the whole school. Mm -hmm. Like her classes were like four and five kids. And um, she has some learning disabilities and some other things that are challenging. So the school ended up being a perfect fit for her. So she went to Mississippi, uh, no, sorry, she went to um, Beloit okay. um, and fell in love with Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we're polar opposites. <laughs> I visited her one time in the freezing snow and I'm I like, like love you, but I ain't never coming back here ever again. Like it was so cold. <laughs> she loves it. She likes being, she's always been somebody who loves to put on a sweatshirt. Living in Taipei, mm -hmm. she'd run around here in a sweatshirt. I thought, what in God's name? It's freaking, she's just that kind of kid. And so she's very happy there. Mm -hmm. um, she's now working. She's adulting. Mm -hmm. She's doing all of the things that, you know, uh, you hope your kids do. Um, she hasn't landed her dream job. She's actually going to go back to school to do some, a little bit more training on, and try to do something more she was more general ed when you know when she was in college she didn't really focus in on anything that she loved so she's going back to school in january so yes but she's in wisconsin mm. it's 
beautiful in the summer, but oh no, they've got do good it. cheese there. Yeah, that's such so I have cheese curds. It was delicious. <laughs> I love the food, yeah. but you have to freeze to get it right. Yeah. Like the walk from the car to the restaurant, body parts start falling off. Right, <laughs> like it was awful. I thought I'm never coming back. I visited her one one winter, and I will not ever go back. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like me. Um, my blood is really thin too. I mean, we when we lived in Maryland, it got a little bit thicker because there was the East Coast weather. But right. then most of my life has been uh, in Hawaii, so warm yeah. weather. Anyway, um, yeah. So if we, if you were to just think about um, one thing that really because of the adoption or because of your relationship with your daughter that um, has changed you, would you have um, share what that, what that is? There's so many little things, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just being a parent in general, um, you see the world differently, mm -hmm. right? You see the world, um, you see the world as almost dangerous. You're so much more protective. You have so many, you're more guarded about a lot of things, but you also have more hope mm -hmm. and more like thought process about what the future might hold through and through the eyes of a child. It's just mm -hmm. different. Um, I know for me, you know, having, um, my daughter change the way I saw my mother, you know, mm -hmm. because for me, my mom was just an utter failure. Right. And, and in a lot of ways she was, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to let her off the hook completely. She made some pretty terrible decisions. Um, but being a mom, I realized, oh, it's easy to make a bad decision, right? Like it's easy to, <laughs> yeah. Once you sit in the, you know, in right? the seat. Yeah. You can see like, wow. Um, it, it's not this, you know, this get a, you know, get a book and follow the rules kind of thing. It is mm -hmm. so much more than that. Um, so I think it gave me a unique perspective in what it is to love unconditionally. I mean, that was the first thing. She's the first thing I had that I loved unconditionally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I do, I have a brother who I'm very close with. So him and her were pretty much all I had. Um, and um, so it gave me the opportunity to do that. It also gave me an opportunity to realize that um, even if I make mistakes, as long as I'm doing things with love and, and it's okay. You know, I remember the job I had at the time when I, when I adopted my daughter, I was the number one sales rep for this very large company. Anyways, AT&T, if you know it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I was the number one sales rep in, in, um, in all of California. And I was the rising star and I was doing all of these amazing things. And I remember talking to my therapist about it and she's like, you can't balance both perfectly. Like you're going to have to start picking one over the other because I was working late um, and not getting home. I mean, my daughter was never, you know, not taken care of, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I was, I was relying on a lot of nannies and I was relying on a lot of, uh, of outsourcing things that I should have been doing, you know? And she just looked at me one day, my therapist, and she's like, that company would replace you in a heartbeat. Like you, you're a number to them. That child is not like mm. nobody could replace you for that child. And she just encouraged me to get a better balance. Mm. And it was at that point that I really started to look at a lot of things. Mm. One, um, being single. Like I thought, okay, I'm not doing her any favors by being single either. You know what I mean? Like it would benefit her to have, you know, somebody in her life and she's older now. And so I, I started to put the work 
career part of me aside and started focusing on having a healthy family mm -hmm. and having a healthy life. And um, as a result, met my husband, <laughs> who was actually her teacher, which is oh, okay. totally funny, but yeah. we can get into that another time. But I had worked full time all the time, and so I never had time to volunteer at school. Mm. And so when I kind of started making this change to try to be a better parent and be more involved, one of the first things I did is I'm like, I'm going to start volunteering at the classroom. And I went on a field trip. Mm -hmm. um, I, we went to the see the King Tut um, exhibit in San Francisco. And I was on the bus and I was like the first time ever. And my daughter's in sixth grade at this point. I've never gone to school other than, you know, teacher conferences. And I was just like, wow, there's this whole other part of my life I could be experiencing. And Ultimately, he was her teacher at the time. <laughs> and so, I mean, we didn't start dating until later, but, um, you know, I, I met a man who actually already knew my daughter. Yeah. They already had somewhat of a connection, so yeah. she wasn't a stranger. He wasn't a stranger and, um, you know, was able to get a better balance of life. I think mm -hmm. she gave me a better balance of life. I think right now I'd still be reaching for more money, more power, more status, because I mm -hmm. really you know, something we didn't touch on here is I had a pretty crappy childhood, right? And so for me, all of those things distanced me from the poor little girl, right? right. So status and money and power and, yeah. and accolades and all of those things mm -hmm. were so valuable Important. to me. Yeah. yeah. And without those things, I was nothing. Mm. And it took having my daughter and realizing that I could have value far greater than any paycheck far greater than any, you know, number on a, on a stat sheet mm -hmm. by just showing up for her every day and being yeah. at home to make dinner. And it changed who I was and it changed. I ultimately quit that job. Yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, I quit a job. I mean, when I quit that job all the way from the top executives, like wanted to interview me, like, where are you going? You're making a ton of money here. Why are you leaving? Yeah. Like, I have to, I, ha I have a balance of life that I need to pursue in this company. I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so I think ultimately it just shifted the direction of my life in a way that ended up being more healthy. Mm. So it's amazing how things, you know, turn out the challenges in your life turn into blessings right. and things and, and the learning lessons that you find along the way makes us who we are yeah, today. For sure. And um, I'm sure for your daughter too, as well. So, Thank you, Heather, for oh, sharing your story with me and with our audience. And um, I just want to really take this time to to thank my mom and dad for going through all the hoops and loops to adopt my brother and I and give us an opportunity for the better life. And I also want to thank all the moms and dads out there that have um, adopted other little boys and girls um, to give them a better life. And um, if you have any stories of adoption that you would like to share with us, please contact us at theoalshow at gmail.com.
and maybe we can talk about your story in a future episode. So once again, Heather, thank you so much. Oh, and, thank you. Um, thank you for saying that too. It helps me too to remember that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I'd like to think that I, I provided a somewhat slimmer version of a, of a good life for her. And, it was all worth it. And I'm sure it was for your parents too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. This is Sharon Landon and see you next time on Old Asian Lady. Bye-bye.